0: And a good evening. We are in the middle of discussing Hilchus Bishel, Eise, the halachas of cooking on Shabbos, which we are going to build up to the practical ramifications of what we've discussed. We still have a couple of areas that we need to complete with regards to Hilchas Bishel. And then if we have time tonight, we'll go through some of the practicals. And then we want to build up to how to make coffee in modern day coffee coffee and cocoa, et cetera, et cetera. But let's pick up from where we left off in the previous year. After we finish Hilchas Bishel, we'll learn Hilchas Purim and Pashas Zohar and and et cetera. And then after that will be Hilchas Pesach. Again, I'm sorry to remind you that Pesach is coming up very soon. We are in the process of discussing the different levels of Bishel. We've been through Keli we've been through Iru Keli we've been through Kedishenie, Iru kedisheni. that means pouring from a Kedishenie into a Kedishlishi, Hilchus, the Lochas of a Kedishlishi, and now we need to discuss another aspect of Hilchas Bishel, and that is something that's known as a Dova Gush, a solid mass. And for want of an example, we're going to describe a solid mass as a, a real yeshivish cholent not a liquid cholent but a, a solid cholent a cholent that you need to make sure that doesn't burn throughout Shabbos, what we would call a dova Gush, a solid mass, A solid mass is a big machlokas in the poskim as to whether it has its heat reduced by being transferred from one kelly to the next kelly to the next kelly. Or do we say that only a liquid actually loses heat by transfer from one vessel to the other? But a dova gush, a solid mass, does not reduce heat. It retains its heat despite the fact that you've moved it from one vessel to the other. And the reason why they differentiate is because as we mentioned at the end of the previous year, a solid, a liquid spreads out across the whole vessel, the whole receptacle. And since the receptacle is a bit cold, it's cool because it's not a calorician; it's a new, unheated receptacle. So therefore, it spreads out and it cools the liquid. And even though there's still liquid in the centre of the plate, but since the the outer surface of the liquid is cooled, so therefore we consider the the liquid all the way through, it becomes cooler, and therefore it loses its intensity of heat and cannot cook, depending on the circumstances and the situation, as we discussed in the previous shurim. Whereas a dover gush doesn't spread around the sides of the kelly. It's a solid mass. And since it's a solid mass, it retains its heat. And because it retains its heat and it doesn't reduce the heat at, at all, it still has the ability to cook. It has the intensity of heat that's able to cook despite that you've, reta- you've removed it from one vessel to the next vessel, and even to a third vessel. A dover gush, until it's lost the temperature of a Yad boy, is a medium that's able to cook, even if it's in a Kedishani or kedishlishi So that's extremely important to us. It's a Machlekes, it's a Machlekes Ramon Mashal, how to understand a dover gush, whether a dover gush has the uh, ability to cook, it doesn't have the ability to cook, but it's a machlakis. And when it comes to Hilchah Shabbos, we try our best to be machmir, not to allow ourselves to, to enter into any sophik of Hilchah Shabbos, chas v'sholem. So we do whatever we can to try and be Mahme, not to be, be mekel on Hill Shabbos. And that's how the halacha is, that we try and we, we are careful not to allow a dover gush to come into contact with something that's not been cooked, because by doing that, we could end up cooking the uncooked piece of food. However, as we said with regards in the previous year, with regards to a ladle, which is a machlekas, a metal ladle which we, we spoke about. We spoke about the other ladles too, but just primarily a metal, metal ladle, where the Mishnah Baruch says it's not clear if I take, put it into my soup and take it out and put it in and take it out and put it in and take it out, whether it actually can be considered a new vessel, a keli sheni, and therefore my soup bowl with the soup in it, a keli shlishi, or do we say no, since it's been in and out of the keli rishon so many times, it's considered a keli rishon. and my soup and my soup plate is considered a keli sheni, and if you remember the time we made some sort of compromise in halacha, it's not my compromise, it's a compromise of the Chobetz Chaim and the poskim. and that is something which is definitely something which is definitely able to be cooked, a raw item, which according to all opinions can be cooked, even though not even though, can be cooked now, in its state, then we are careful not to allow it to come into contact with a f- soup that's being transferred from a keli rishon to Kali keli Sheni via a ladle. But something which is only a machloikis, whether it can cook or can't cook, whether it can be cooked or cannot be cooked. So, for example, a afia after a bishel or a liquid which has already been cooked is a yesh bishel achar bishel etc. In those areas, since it's anyway a machloikis, whether you can, they can be cooked a second time and even if they can it's, dis- it's not so straightforward that this soup in the kedi is not called a kedi maybe it's called a kedi it's only a sophic if, a- if the ladle loses the definition of a kedi by being put into the soup that often maybe it still retains its title of kedi and my soup there was a kedi so i have two Sakas here two doubts as to whether this is permitted or not remember we have two doubts well, then we allow it. So when it comes to the ladle, anything which is a discussion, not black and white, cookable at the, at the status that it's, it finds itself in, it allowed to be put into the soup in a Katie sheni. So for example, that we said it was relevant, was can I put baked croutons into my soup if it's been ladled out? And the answer to that was if it's baked, so ain bishelach according to one opinion, a ladle may be considered a katie Is if it hasn't been left in the soup for a while. It's just in and out. And therefore, I have two possible reasons to allow me to put my croutons in my soup, and that we allow. And the same logic would follow when it comes to a dova gush. A dova gush is something which is a a discussion as to whether it's able to cook, even in a and a kedishlishi or not. So therefore, something which is raw, uncooked, we were not allowed to come into contact with the dova gush. Because then we would consider that Dov is cooking that raw item. And that could could be a Bishel Derisa. According to that opinion, you are Chaswishalom transgressing a de derisa of Bishel, which would obligate you to bring a chatos, a chaswishalam, even more serious repercussions if somebody does it intentionally. So therefore that we would be careful. But something which is baked or oh, a liquid that's already been cooked but cooled down. So there's a machlokas where the yesh bishel achafir. Or well, there's a machlokas if yesh bish, bishel achabishel bedov Then again, since a dova is a machlokas, we would be making, we would allow the, the, that item of food, which is only a sophic if it can be recooked, to come into contact with a dova which is only a sophic if it's able to cook. And that way we have two doubts, two sfakas, two reasons to allow us, to put a, that item together with the Dover Gush, and then we would, therefore, that would be permitted. Practically speaking, well, let's talk about Cholent because that's how we started. Cholent on my plate. I have Cholent's come from the KD Rishon, and it may be put into Tureen, and it's from my Tureen into my plate. It's a Dover Gush, and it's piping hot. Dover Gush, which is hot, we assume can cook, according to the opinion that says a Dover Gush can cook. So we have to take on the assumption that a Dover Gush can cook. Therefore, if it can cook, I must be careful not to add spices to my cholent. So say I have a mishigas. I love pepper, and I love peppery cholent. But my wife doesn't like putting too much pepper in the cholent, so I like to throw pepper all over my cholent. If the pepper's uncooked, then I have a problem, because by adding the pepper to my cholent, I'm not cooking that pepper, because cholent is a dover gush. And a dover gush can cook even though it's been transferred to a Kedishen or Kedishlish. And therefore, my Tavlinin would end up being cooked on Shabbos, chas and that would transgress a melacha of Dishul on Shabbos. Why anybody would like to put ketchup, for example, in a Cholent, I don't know, but there are many people out there who may want to put ketchup in their Cholent, particularly if you have some American blood running through you. Then here we have a different context. It's, it may be considered a liquid, but ketchup is almost definitely cooked. I don't know the process of ketchup. I'm pretty sure it's been cooked. And if it's been cooked, then you have a Dovah maybe, maybe a Dovah which is even better, but you have a Dovah which is already gone through a process of being cooked, which normally we would say, yes, Bishol bishul, Bishol We would say, let's be stringent and, and, and assume that something which is liquid, despite the fact that it's been cooked, can be recooked again, if you put it into a Kedirishen, or maybe into a Kedirishen, depending on what it is. But ketchup into a dovagush in a Kedish Lishi, or in a Kedish Edy, depending on the situation, would not be a problem, because with regards to yesh, bish, that's only a chumrah, and dava gush is also only a chumrah, and a chumrah, on a chumrah, we're not so worried about, and if we would be allowed to add ketchup to your cholent, if you so wished, though it's not something that I would advise, I think cholent with ketchup has probably lost its beauty of the Shabbos Cholent. So uh, somebody who does have that mishigas should try and train himself out of it because it really, to me, just loses the Oynik Shabbos. So uh, as we were saying, Chalant with ketchup is not my ideal of onik Shabbos, but if you do so have that fancy, then probably that will be allowed because yes, a is only a Chumrah and we're not worried about Chumrahs. More relevant is eating salads together with a cholent that's a bit more complicated because salad, most salads, are not cooked. If you have cooked a salad with cooked vegetables and baked vegetables, then you've got the same color as we had up until now. yes but yes is only a chumrah. And since it's only a chumrah, you can not worry, you don't need to worry about your roasted vegetables together with your chocolate. But if you're eating a cold salad, not much of a, a maven, I'm afraid, then you have a problem. If you're going to end up eating them together on the same plate and they mix you are risking chas the vegetables being cooked by your Dava gush. So if one is going to be eating salad on a plate together with the cholent, you must make sure that they do not mix. You've got to make sure that they're on one side of the plate and the chalons on the other side of the plate, and you can't mix them together. Not by why, why, why someone should want to mix a, the coleslaw together with your chalons, I have no idea. But if you do fancy, you cannot, because the coleslaw's uncooked and the chalons are david gush, and the coleslaw's uncooked. la is not just uncooked in some opinions. It's completely uncooked. It's raw, and according to every opinion, it can be cooked if it's in contact with heat. And since gush is a Sophic, it is a doubt, we have to be Mahmi. We may not mix the two together. If it's impossible for your salad and your challah not to mix, then best to eat them on separate plates. Best to eat them on separate plates. So that's the halachas that we've discussed so far of Bishol, Acha bishul, the different levels of bishul and Afia we've spoken about. Gesh bishul Acha Afia. I just want to. to Elaborate on a couple more points in Hirschbischel, and then we'll go through some practical examples. And the two areas that we haven't discussed yet is roasted and fried foods, though we have touched upon them in the in the shurim, in the past shurim. Roasted and fried and fried foods. Roasted and fried foods is roasting is the same as baking, because the difference between baking and cooking is Baking is dry air, dry heat, and cooking is what we call wet heat, because it's in a liquid. Roasting is also dry heat. Therefore, if something's been roasted on a fire, it would have the same parameters as, as baking, and there could be a problem of yesh bishel bishul yesh bishu and so to yesh bishel achatsi. It's a machlekes, but we would have to be machmir. Where is this relevant? This is relevant, for example, if somebody roasted a chicken, Now, when we talk about roasting chicken, nowadays we talk about chicken roasted in the oven, that's usually roasted in a roaster bag or in a tin or in a baking tin where it it then cooks in its own liquid. That's not called roasting. That's called maybe baked and maybe cooked at the same time. So, for example, a kugel, when you make a kugel, for the best of my understanding that I've never made a kugel in my life, I don't think, but I definitely haven't, to be honest. If you make a kugel, the kugel starts off as a liquid together with the potatoes, the, the grated potatoes. That then gets cooked in the oven and eventually dries out. And when it's dried, it then gets baked. So you have an item which is cooked and baked, which has both qualities to it. It's cooked and it's baked. A roasted piece of chicken is something that's never been in liquid at all. So for example, a barbecued piece of chicken. It's never been in liquid at all. It's just been barbecued. A barbecued piece of meat. That has an issue here of Yesh Bishalachafir or Yesh Bishalachat Sli. So therefore to go and heat it up by putting it into my chicken soup, for example. In a kadirish which is off the fire, or even a keli if we're machme for for Kali bishul, even on something roasted, which you're probably not, but to put it in makli rishon, for example, would be a problem. If, according to the opinion that dava gush can cook, then to take roasted chicken, not cooked roasted, but barbecue chicken, and eat it together with matchalant may be a problem. Except, that, as we said, there's a little compromise that we've made that since this a is is whether Yesh bishul achafir, therefore you can eat your barbecue chicken. Or your barbecued meat together with your cholent without too much worry. But the concept is there. Roasting has the same category, is the same category as baked. And vice versa. Something which is cooked can be can be baked, because yes, a fiya achabishal. Just like there's yesh bishal afia, there's so we should, Which would mean that most of our foods which are cooked cannot be then placed in a situation of heat that may roast it. An example of that would be you had your, your chicken, your roasted chicken, off the far, uh, uh, from the oven, which you roasted in a roaster bag. So it basically roasted in its own juice. You then, Shabbos morning, you decide that you want to put it on your blech because it wants, you want to heat it. It's no, there's no problem of reheating because it's already been cooked. So you want to cook it. So you're going to put it on your blech. You want to put it on a blech in a situation where there's no problem of chazor. So for example, it was in a pot on a fire, and you then took it out of the pot, and you're now going to put it on the blech, as just as a plain piece of chicken on the blech, which may not be a problem, with chazor, because it's coming from one pot to a fire, that to, to a blech. And that may be fine. But I have a different problem here. By me putting my dry piece of chicken, which has been cooked, on a Direct source of heat, though it's covered with a blech, I may not be transgressing chazorob, but I will be putting it into a seat. Dry, intense heat, I should say. Dry, intense heat is roasting. And therefore, I cannot take a piece of chicken that's been cooked, roasted, did in a roaster bag, Etc., which has been cooked through using liquid, not a dry heat, and put it in a scenario, into a situation where it's going to then cook in a dry heat. That would be Tzli Acha Bishel. Tzli Acha Bishel is forbidden. The same would be to put it next to open fire. Even if I just leave it right next to the flame, I don't put it on the flame. I put it next to the flame. On my gas stove, it's on the side, but next to the flame on my gas stove, so it's far away. And I'm not transgressing the malacha of uh, maybe smicha, which is something we haven't discussed, but but we'll leave that aside. I would have a problem maybe of an issudah rice of tzli, because I'm roasting something which has been cooked in liquid. And I'm now dry roasting it, dry heating it. That's no good. However, to put it on a top of a pot, even though that's dry heat, or to put it on top of your urn, even though that's dry heat, that's permitted, because that's not called intense heat. Intense heat means when it's almost directly next to a flame, even if there's a break, a, a, a blech in between, but it's intense heat. Intense heat is roasting, not intense heat, on top of a pot, that's not called roasting. Therefore, I can take my, my cooked chicken and la- put it on top of a pot, even though that's dry heat, but that's not called roasting. Roasting is going to be directly in the line of the flame or the fire of intense heat. Frying is a different subject completely. Frying is unclear whether frying is bishal or not bishel, or fear. Is frying called cooking, or is frying equal to baking? Now, there's two types of frying. We have what's not called deep frying. That's, for example, making chips. We have a deep fryer, not an air fry, because an air fry is probably baking, not frying. An air fryer is just a convection oven that bakes, a nice elaborate convection oven that bakes with a little bit of oil in it to give it a little bit more taste, but it's basically a convection oven. Therefore, it's baking. We're talking about frying chips in an old-fashioned deep fryer or pot with a, with a net in it and you put your chips in and you fry it and they are so unhealthy that it's unbelievable. But those, that would be called deep fried. Deep frying schnitzel would be called deep fried. Deep frying is almost definitely called cooking, according to nearly all the opinions, most opinions, because I've cooked it in a liquid. It's been soaked in this liquid and cooked in the liquid. Therefore, deep frying is considered frying. Where we have an issue of frying is called pan frying. Pan frying, where you fry onions, for example, or you make latkes in a very small, very thin layer of of oil. So it's not deep fried. Or you fry an egg in a pan, in a frying pan, with a very small amount of oil. That's not called bishel, perhaps, because there's not enough liquid there to consider it bishel. Or it, or maybe there is a bit of liquid, and therefore we do call it bishel. So here we have an issue. What is the category of frying? So if we're going to say deep frying is bishel, then if I want to reheat deep-fried schnitzel and Shabbos, I've got to be careful not to be, not to put it on a source of heat that could be considered roasting, because then what I'm doing is I'm baking after I've roasted I can only reheat it if I put it on top of a pot, etc., etc. If I want to reheat something that's been pan-fried, since I don't know if that's called baking, if that's called cooking, I have a problem. I cannot reheat it in a form of baking, that means on dry heat, and I cannot reheat it in a form of cooking. So, for example, if I want to make latkes, uh, it's, it's Shabbos, Hanukkah, and I want to serve latkes. And I've made my latkes by frying them in a small amount of oil. I didn't deep fry it, just a small amount of oil. I've got the perfect, crispy, unbelievable latke. And I'm going to serve it with a boiling hot sauce, which is I've left on the Kali on the stove. Uh, I don't know, some sort of wonderful, amazing sauce. I've no idea what type of sauce it is, but I'm sure you can think of something which is going to be poured over those latkes. If I take that sauce from the Kali and I pour it over my latkes, which have been pan-fried, I now have a rishon being poured over something that's been pan-fried that may be considered baked. And I would then, perhaps, according to that opinion, transgress a or bishel. And vice versa, if I would consider it baked, and I would then go and reheat it by putting it on a close source, or an intense source of heat, If I would assume that pan-fried is called cooked, I'm now baking after cooking. I therefore I'm in a situation where I cannot reheat it in a form of cooking and I cannot reheat it in a form of baking. And that's a very important haloper. So for example, another example would be if I'm fried uh, fried onions, I've got really nice hot fried onions, which I'm serving for Shabbos. These have been fried and they go go together with my uh, uh, chicken or I have no idea what. To reheat them in a form of bishel would be problematic, and to reheat it in a form of afir, tsli would be problematic because it has the status of maybe cooked and maybe roasted. And therefore, we have to be machmi, we have to be stringent and consider it cooked and consider it roasted. If I serve deep-fried chips and I want to serve them on a Friday night, why anybody should want to serve chips on a Friday night, I have no idea. But say you do and you want to pour a lovely... Uh, Ketchup sauce over it—that's not a problem. My chips have been cooked to pour from a kalirishin, rishon, onto chips that have been cooked. Cooked is ein bishulacha bishul—not a problem at all. Latkes, which are pan-fried, if they're pan-fried, if you deep-fry them, then you're fine. If they're pan-fried, then you would have a problem by doing that with with pouring from an rishon. That's an example of frying where frying is is relevant to. Bishel, and where we can come across situations of Yesh Bishel Achatzli, and Yesh Bishel Achatigon, ach, sorry, cooking after frying. I'm not cooking after frying. It's a sophic in the Prima Godim. Prima Godim has a sophic If pan fried is